and rich fellows are a slap in the face to country music with all that rock and roll. So college game day is going to be in Waco, and I was trying to play Big and Rich coming to Yosite uh, to celebrate, and that's the beginning of the video, and I thought I should leave that in just so you would uh, experience the same thing I experienced. Anyway. And we're coming to your city. Gonna play our guitars and sing you a country song. If you want a little bang, <laughs> this is the Big 12 Bullets. Ah, uh, yes. The sounds of Prince Polo are washing away the big and richness that you experienced at the beginning of this podcast. But I am excited, and you should be excited because college game day is at a Big 12 game, it's at Baylor, Oklahoma. And to celebrate, I have a guest. I have an esteemed guest, an experienced voice on the radio, someone who does what I do for a living and gets paid to do it. Ari Timken is the host of Big 12 This Morning on Sirius XM. He also does a lot of other things, including the Cowboys pregame show on 105.3 The Fan here. And Ari will join us to talk about the Baylor-Oklahoma game. We're going to talk about the college football playoff rankings. We're going to say some bad things about Alabama, some good things about Baylor, some good things about Oklahoma, and just the Big 12 in general. We talk um, everything from college football playoff all the way to are Matt Rule or Lincoln Riley going to coach the Cowboys? I don't know. Stay tuned to hear what Ari Timken has to say about that, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll give my opinion on that as well. If you are listening to this for the first time, I don't always start with Big and Rich, uh, but I do start with something strange every time. And this is Bedgood's Big 12 Bullets, the podcast. I do a newsletter, a um, email newsletter. It is called Bedgood's Big 12 Bullets. You can sign up at big12bullets.com. I send it every Thursday morning at 7.30 a.m., in the bullets, I talk about something that I don't talk about in the podcast, so there's not a lot of redundancy there. The bullets, I will say, break down uh, the games that happened in the past weekend or preview the upcoming games. I include some fun GIFs or GIFs, depending on how you want to say it. I say GIFs. Ari says GIFs. That's fine. You can say however you want, but I include some GIFs of uh, game action or something funny that happened or just try to keep it a little entertaining. The Big 12 is a fun, wild conference. Lots of crazy things going on all the time. Sometimes it's kind of lost in the shuffle nationally with the SEC, the Big 10, even the Pac-12 after dark. In between Pac-12 after dark and SEC, you have Big 12. And a lot of times it's really fun. So that's what we talk about. And that's what we got Ari Timken on to talk about because he is a Big 12 expert. He talks about it every day on Sirius XM on Big 12 this morning. So we're going to just jump right into that because Ari and I talked for about 30 minutes and it was really entertaining and really informative. He's a smart guy. He knows a lot more than me. So if you actually want to hear a smart person talk about college football, stay tuned for Ari Timken right now. All right, and we want to welcome in Ari 
Timken from Big 12 This Morning on Sirius XM. Ari, how are you doing? Doing great, Scott. How are you, Matt? Doing well. Um, it's an exciting weekend in the Big 12. Um, so I mentioned you've got you know, Big 12 This Morning on Sirius XM. You've got a lot of other things going on. I want to let you kind of plug those first, and then we can jump in. So tell everybody all of the different things, the different ways they can ex- get the Ari Timken experience. For sure. Um, so, I mean, I, uh, for, for the purposes of this podcast, I host the um, Big 12 this morning on Sirius XM channel 375. If you don't get it in your car um, then you, and you get Sirius XM, then you get it on the app, so make sure to check it out there. Um, and then, yeah, you can also... Um, listen to me do the Cowboys pre and post game show on 105.3 The Fan, Cowboys Radio Network, and uh, and also I do uh, YouTube videos on the Cowboys. Uh, if you go to YouTube, just search RE Sports and hit that subscribe button there and help me grow my audience there. So yeah, you can find me on Twitter at RE Sports as well, ARI Sports. Awesome. And you are a graduate of where? The University of Kansas. All right. Okay. So we can maybe talk a little bit more during basketball season if you want to talk your alma mater. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a lot more exciting than than in the past. Uh, it's not as much of a an easy game for teams, so that's that's always fun. And I, I'm excited just as a, an observer to have less miles in the conference. You always need those personalities. You know, and one of the one of the more underappreciated things is you know Kansas has about 50 scholarship players on their roster. So I mean, when you think of you know the 85 scholarship total and, and where Kansas is relative to the rest of the Big 12 and other Division One programs, it's really it's really an abomination. You know, it started with Charlie Weiss, and you know, Charlie Weiss took a lot of gambles with JUCO transfers and put a lot of scholarships in there, and guys you know didn't pan out or didn't you know left or whatever. I mean, it's just why you don't build a program through JUCO transfers. And so, I mean, they have basically since that time been trying to rebuild up the scholarships and it's been difficult and you know and and that's going to be the most important task for Les Miles is to do that and look he's, he's actually recruited at a fairly high level um, considering the circumstances so you know they're, they're they've seen some uh, benefits of Les Miles already this year with the offense growing a little bit and being more uh, more competitive on a consistent basis and you know once they start to really bring in some of these recruits that Les Miles has gotten commitments from already um, you know, it, 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 they could start, you know, winning some football games and, you know, it wasn't, it was 10 years ago, 11 years ago when they were winning an orange bowl. So, you know, if, if they can recruit the state of Texas well, uh, and, and let, you know, the kids that don't go to Texas and don't go to Oklahoma and fall through the cracks, you know, if they if they can compete with some of these other programs, in the conference for kids in Texas, which they did 10, 15 years ago to Mark Mangino, then, then they can be good again. Um, and so that's, that's. You know, Les had a little bit of success early on with that, without much, um, you know, without much success in the field. So, you know, assuming this will uh, this will continue to take off, but it's just amazing to consider they're so far down in terms of scholarships um, relative to the rest of the conference. Yeah, I don't think I actually even realized that, uh, but that would definitely explain some of the struggles. But speaking of of turning a program around, speaking of recruiting the state of Texas, I mean, we got to talk some Baylor football. They were where Kansas is right now in Matt Rule's first year of, you know, you see some good things, but they're not getting those wins on the field. Um, and then, you know, only a few years later, and they're still undefeated. They're the last undefeated Big 12 team. They're not really getting the the national respect maybe that they feel they deserve, but 
this weekend is a big weekend to prove that. You know, what have you, I guess, are you drinking the Baylor Kool-Aid of saying, hey, they're undefeated, they're actually, they should be in the top five of the college football playoff, or do you kind of take a more, uh, the approach that I think the rest of the country is taking of, let's wait and see when they play a really good team this weekend? Well, you know, I think when, when the rankings came out on Tuesday, I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, they, they haven't really, they really played an easy non-conference and, you know, and, and they, they have had a lot of close wins against teams. They should be blowing out West Virginia and, um, you know, and, and some of these other games where they've probably been closer than they should have been. And then the more I thought about it and looked into it. So, I mean, Minnesota has one top 25 win all season. One. And they just, just happened. They just beat Penn State. So, in terms of the college football playoff rankings, they have one win over a top 25 team. Baylor already has two. And if they run the table this season, they will have three more playing Oklahoma this week, Texas next week, and then in that Big 12 championship game. So, I mean, it, it's sort of amazing. And then you start to look at, at Alabama. Alabama has zero top 25 wins so far <laughs> this season. Hey, hey don't, tell, don't tell people uh, in Tuscaloosa that. <laughs> they did lose to LSU, so that's a great loss, I suppose. It's, it's, so I guess you know, what I'm trying to say is the further away I've gotten, the more I've, I've you know, thought it's, as a, you know, as or maybe more egregious than 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 most, and it, it's. I mean, I think you know, like the college basketball uh, uh, tournament. You know, they they only do the, the. You know, they have selection Sunday, right? So they don't have this whole build up of every week doing the rankings, and and so everybody gets to react on a weekly basis. So the way I look at it is is okay. So LSU is in. LSU is going to get in because. Unless they lose two games from here on out, they're going to get in. And they have Mississippi, A&M, and Arkansas left. So they're not going to lose two of those games. And, of course, they could lose the SEC championship, but I just think they're in regardless, okay? Mm -hmm. So then Clemson's probably in two because Clemson's not going to lose. Um, And even if they they might have lost to uh, to Wake Forest, like Wake Forest is the only new team in that conference other than Clemson, and now Wake Forest is not going to have their best receivers. So good luck there. So Clemson's in. So that's two spots they're spoken for. I think the Big Ten is going to have at least one spot. Um, Ohio State or Penn State, whoever wins that game and they represent that division in the Big Ten championship. And then Minnesota, you know, one of those teams will get it. So that's three bids, right? So it kind of comes down to where's the fourth bid going to go? It could go to a second SEC team. That could happen. But I'll say this. Between the Big 12 and the Pac-12, even though the Pac-12 is ranked with two teams higher, Utah and Oregon only have the potential for one top 25 win left on their schedule. And that's in that Pac-12 championship when they play each other. The rest of their schedules are really easy. Baylor has, as I mentioned before, the potential for three more top 25 wins on their schedule. So they will get in over a Pac-12 team because they have three more potential opportunities to run the table against those three top 25 teams that the Pac-12 doesn't. Uh, I don't know what's going to how it's going to play out in the SEC. Maybe the SEC gets two teams, and it won't matter. But I think you know the the the, the ultimate point here, Scott, is we react to these rankings on a weekly basis. But this stuff's going to play itself out. If Baylor runs the table, they're certainly going to be ahead of the Pac-12, and we'll see what happens to the SEC. But I just still find it hard to believe that Baylor will be left out of the playoff, and Oklahoma as well, because Oklahoma runs the table. They would also have three more top twenty-five wins because Oklahoma has 
Baylor this week, Oklahoma State and Bedlam the final week, and then, of course, the Big 12 championship. So if either of those two teams are on the table from here on out, they're going to they're gonna certainly get in over the Pac-12 and, and perhaps over a second SEC team as well. Yeah, that's kind of what I was looking at. You know, the first reaction is, well, I mean, how do they put Georgia at four, Alabama at five? You know, they're setting this up for the SEC, but then kind of looking down in the rankings, it does seem like they laid the groundwork for a Big 12 team to earn their way up into that spot because ranking Oklahoma State, keeping Kansas State in the top 25 after a loss, those kind of things I think do set up the committee to have an argument to say, hey, this Big 12 team deserves to get in. And then I was also looking at, you know, you talk about Alabama doesn't have a top 25 win and everyone assumes they're going to get that top 25 win against Auburn. But Auburn plays Georgia this week. So Alabama at best would have one top 25 win and it's probably going to be against a what 15, 16th ranked Auburn team. If that team wasn't called Alabama, would there even be a discussion that they would deserve to be in the playoff? No. Uh, I mean, and, and, and the same goes for Baylor, right? Mm-hmm. If Texas or Oklahoma was 9-0 with Baylor's schedule, they'd be in the top four. I mean, it's just that simple. So, yeah, I mean, brand matters here. It, 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 it shouldn't, and it, it, it does. It, it does because... These are human beings that are deciding this. The human beings are swayed by brand, and brand's important here. There's no, there's no question. If Texas or, or Oklahoma had the same schedule as Baylor and were 9-0, they'd be the top four right now. No question. For sure. And and Baylor does have, you know, the argument against Baylor is they are playing these really close games. They just played a game where they scored nine points in an entire, you know, regulation. Right. And Alabama is, you know, they're housing these bad teams, but at the same time, they're bad teams. You know, and so you do have to play the teams on your schedule and you do. It is about in college football more than any sport. It's the style points matter. But at the same time, the record should matter just as much and and who you play should matter just as much. And obviously you can't help that the teams you put on your schedule aren't good. Like I look at Oklahoma's schedule and kind of laugh that when they scheduled Houston and UCLA in the same season, that probably looked like a really tough non-conference schedule. And then it turned out not to be just because those programs fell off by the time the, they got on the, you know, the by the time those games happened. So, you know, you, there's not necessarily blame, but it is funny just looking at Alabama's schedule, looking at, you know, no top 25 wins. You know, the only one might be 15 or 16 and saying that that that's a team that deserves to be in the playoff. It's a tough it's a tough argument. But, you know, moving towards. You know, talking about what's actually going to happen this weekend with Baylor and Oklahoma. Well, and, and let me just oh yeah, go ahead. Two. By the way, the, the two top twenty-five wins that Baylor has against Oklahoma State and Kansas State, both on the road, both by three scores. So they do have a lot of close games, but those two games in particular, they blew out really good teams on the road. Yeah, that's a great point. That is a great point. I, I yeah, I hadn't even thought about that because I was you know hung up on the nine points against TCU or the three-point win against West Virginia you know those those things stick out in your minds but yeah I mean I, I I laugh at the fact that you know Oklahoma gave up what 48 points to Kansas State and then you're like well maybe Kansas State is a pretty good offense and you look at what they did against Baylor and it was like 13 or 14 points and it's you know, it just makes me uh, crazy as an OU fan to see that the defense still isn't good. So talking about yeah. that, like, what do you think is going to happen in this week's game? You know, Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma's looked really bad the last couple of weeks. They got one win out of the last two. But, you know, what, what do you think? Uh, will, who, who's going to win? Well, I mean, the first thing 
this matchup is the Baylor defense against the Oklahoma offense. This is power versus power. Oklahoma is the best offense in the Big 12, the best offense in the country on a yards per play basis. Baylor has the best defense in the Big 12 and certainly one of the better defenses in the country. So it sort of comes down to, can Baylor stop that dynamic rushing attack of Jalen Hurts in the Oklahoma offense? And... You know, it's not just stopping a rushing attack from a running back, but stopping the quarterback from being such a dynamic rusher. And, you know, and and, and can they force Jalen Hurts to have to make plays from the pocket, to have to make plays in his arm? Because when he's done that, he hasn't been very good. And, you know, it's funny. They, they are the number one. They're 9.29 yards per play, which is like the greatest number all time. But it's crazy considering... This is like the third best offense the last three years they've had. And <laughs> they're still like setting records in terms of on a per play basis. So I just I think it's so difficult to limit Oklahoma's offense even with a dynamic defense like Baylor. So I, I, I you know I, I think what it comes down to is can you know if if they can hold them under forty points, they can hold them under thirty points. Okay, on the other side, can Charlie Brewer and that and that Baylor offense, you know, can they can they match them? And what we've seen from Oklahoma's defense of late is they're not doing that good of a job getting after the quarterback. They had nine sacks against Texas, and they have like four in the total in, in the game since then. Mm-hmm. They haven't turned teams over very much. So if, if they continue to not be able to get after Charlie Brewer, which Baylor doesn't have a great offensive line, and at times they've struggled. Um, and Charlie Brewer has at times turned the ball over. I mean, three turnovers in one game, and that was for a while. It was only three turnovers of the season. Um, but the, the key is Oklahoma turning Baylor over, and Baylor, I think, keeping Baylor can keep Oklahoma under forty. Then I think Baylor can win this game. Anything over forty, and Oklahoma's going to win it. Yeah, you know, I, I think that that's an interesting thing. I really don't think that there is a defense in the entire country that can stop Oklahoma's offense. In the right. sense that that's holding them under, say, 35 points. I just don't, having seen this team make the playoff, you know, the last couple of years, playing Georgia, playing Alabama, putting up a lot of points on both of those teams, obviously different circumstances and how they got those points, but I don't think anybody can stop them ever, you know, in a sense of when you would actually say, hey, that team got shut down. But if you look at Iowa State last week, it's those little those turnovers, those takeaways, the CD Lamb fumble, the interception by Jalen uh, on that third and seven play towards the end. Like those are the moments that Baylor, I think, can win this game because they do get those big t- takeaways, and Oklahoma doesn't. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, you look at some of these close wins that that Baylor does have. It's those big plays, those takeaways that that have turned the game around. So. I do feel like this is a game that if Oklahoma wins, they might win by several scores. Um, and if Baylor wins, they win because of a late takeaway or something like that. Um, but it's one of those games I, I would I would never bet on because I have no idea how it's going to end. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, you look back on the games, and look, most of the Big 12 quarterbacks are dual-threat guys. But in terms of like the best dual-threat guys at the quarterback position, in the Big 12, they've done a really good job against those guys. I mean, they held Skyler Thompson in check. It, you know, it, uh, I mean, he, he didn't do anything against them. You know, it's hard to look at the, the raw numbers because the sacks being taken into account there. But 11 carries for six yards for Skyler Thompson. Brock Purdy, early in the year when Iowa State and Baylor played each other, Brock Purdy was a, a huge piece of the rushing offense for Iowa State. 13 carries for three yards. Uh, Spencer Sanders, 
14 carries for 31 yards. So they've done a really good job uh, holding the, the, the best, most dynamic dual-threat quarterbacks in the conference in check. And the other thing is they've, they've created turnovers. Um, Spencer Sanders had uh, an INT in, in, in the Oklahoma State game. Uh, Scott Thompson threw a pick in that game. Uh, Brock Purdy, I think, had one or two in the Babs State game, too. So, and that, Or he lost the fumble. So, I mean, they, that's what they've done. They've held the quarterback running game in check, and they, they've turned teams over. If they do that, uh, Baylor's going to win. Yeah, do, do you feel like watching watching these Oklahoma games do you feel like Oklahoma is relying way too much on Jalen Hurts as a running back it just seems like they've abandoned their sort of dynamic running backs and then he's he's running it a lot and then I think he has a tendency to when things break down his first instinct is to run and I just feel like that's somehow made a Lincoln Riley offense fairly one-dimensional I think we're seeing why he was benched for Tua at Alabama. I mean, he's not, he's just not a, a very impressive throwing the football. And, um, I mean, I, I think he can, he's made some good throws. That thing is like, he, he has made some good throws. Like the Texas game, uh, the best throw I think of the night was the flea flicker. And it's like, well, you, why did you got CD Lamb wide open on that? You know, so, but then he made some atrocious throws. The Iowa State game, obviously, last week, he, he had two that should have been pick sixes that weren't, and then had that terrible pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I, the answer to your question is, I think because so much of this offense is Jalen Hurts running, not necessarily on design runs, so it's like it just hasn't given them the opportunity to feed Kenny McCoy or, 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 um, uh, or not Kenny McCoy, what's his name? Kenny Brooks. <laughs> um, Kenny Brooks. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, and then and Trey, Trey Sermon's out for the season, so yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, no, it, it is interesting. I mean, we, I've talked with my friends, and we we watch Jalen, and we say like, you know, really, how good would this guy be if he'd had four years under Lincoln Riley? You know, if he wasn't just trying to sort of make it work with this one year, but you could see the difference in his passing from you know at Oklahoma as versus Alabama. He's obviously better. It just would have been nice to see a guy like this develop for four years, five years under Lincoln Riley because he does have the talent. He does make throws that you say, well, that's a really good throw. He is a good quarterback. But there are these decisions that are just – and it, it's an impossible standard uh, that they're not Kyler and they're not Baker. Um, but that's an impossible standard to hold up to. Uh, but, yeah, I always I have just been thinking, man, this guy really could have benefited from five years under Lincoln Riley. Baker and to Tyler because those guys were there for multiple years, so they they you know they were able to learn the offense and and really understand what was happening. And, and Jalen was you know this is a short amount of time to have to learn a lot. Um, so you're right, no question. Um, and, and look, you're right. I mean, he the Dallas State game he wasn't particularly good. Um, I mean, even in a losing effort, he was pretty good against K State and, and West Virginia. Obviously, he made some big time throws, um, but it's it's so tough to separate the success because they're so good. They're so prolific on offense. And so, I mean, again, 9.2 yards per you know, per play, and it's hard to nitpick. But at the yeah. same time, it's like, yeah, this is clearly the third best offense in the last three years at Oklahoma. Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing is that if you could have the third best offense in the last three years at Oklahoma, if that defense is just – 
slightly better, then this is the best team that Oklahoma's had. You know, if right. if they can just make a few stops or get a one takeaway a game, then this team is better overall than it was with Kyler and Baker. And that's the way they looked for most of the season. And I was saying, like, this might be the best Oklahoma team because the defense actually gets to the quarterback, because the defense doesn't necessarily get takeaways, but they look like they're going to get takeaways. And then it's all fallen apart the last couple of weeks. And it's really made, you know, made it look like, well, okay, maybe this is actually the worst Oklahoma team of the last several years. Um, so I, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like under Alex Grinch and I don't want to make this too much about Oklahoma. So this will be the last question about Oklahoma, but like, do you think the defense is making improvements and it, the last couple of weeks have been sort of anomalies or do you think that the, beginning of the season was more of the anomaly i'm starting to think the beginning of the season was more of the anomaly and i wouldn't put all of it on grinch because i mean look this is it's there's a lot of there's a lot of it's talent right it's right not just the scheme but it's, it's the talent i think you know teams adjusted to what alex grinch was trying to do and you know, they, they clearly did not have the same sack numbers that they did after that Texas game. So it's, it's like teams adjusted to figure out what they're trying to do. And once they weren't able to create that pressure, they weren't great in the back end. And I think that's the biggest issue. They're better up front than they're on the back end. So once teams took away their ability to blitz to get after the quarterback, all of a sudden now you're leading these 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 corners on an island. And that's that's been a deficiency for them. I think they have way more talent up front than they do in the secondary. And that's, that's been the big issue. And then, of course, they haven't caused turnovers. And that's... You know, Alex Grinch from day one has preached creating turnovers, and it just hasn't happened. Um, and, you know, I think part of that is because they're not getting up to the quarterback like they were. And part of that is, is too, because these are the same guys that weren't creating turnovers last year. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I think I'm starting to think early in the season was an anomaly. I, I also think it was just the changeover, the mentality. These guys went through a great straight program. The off, you know, the offseason, it was like it was just all the right things were being said. And, you know, they all loved the, 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 the one-gap scheme, and it was aggressive. And you know, and, and I think teams just adjusted offensively, and, and they just don't have the guys at the back end to, to compensate. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you spend a lot of time talking about the Dallas Cowboys, another team that doesn't really get the takeaways that they, they yeah, should. Nothing. But you know, I, I wanted to ask you a question because the, the knives are out again for Jason Garrett. This is not a Cowboys specific question, but everyone wants Jason Garrett is eventually fired. They think, although I'm not sure that'll ever happen. The first name on everyone's lips is Lincoln Riley. And I wonder why. Well, first of all, I think that that's not going to happen. But I do wonder why the first name isn't Matt Rule or maybe the second name isn't Matt Rule. Do you feel like there's a world where either one of those guys would ever leave their university right now for an NFL job at all? And do you as a Cowboys sort of, you know, a Cowboys insider and a, and a big 12 guy, do you think that either one of those guys would ever end up at the Cowboys? So, I mean, the Cowboys would love to have Lincoln Riley as their coach. I, I think Lincoln Riley, if he ever left Oklahoma, it would be for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think it would be now. Um, straight up. Like I, I, I would be, I have 99%, 99.9% sure that Lincoln Riley's not leaving Oklahoma for, tech, for, for the Cowboys this year or next year. Um, I, I find it funny when, you know, it's like you see this all the time from national media and they're like, the Cowboys should go for Lincoln Riley. Here's a name that they, I don't think it's like, oh, you really? Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a really good idea. Like, yeah, of course. Genius. Is interesting. Go ahead. 
sorry. No, I was saying, what a genius at thought, you know?
head coach, Jason Garrett, that is clearly on his way out and needs to win now. And, and I think that Kellen Moore is being pulled more into the, the Jason Garrett direction that has been for the detriment of the Cowboys. Um, and I'm not saying that I think that they'll hire Kellen Moore to be the next head coach, but I wouldn't overlook Kellen Moore either. Um, Graham Harrell has had a really good year with USC. Uh, again, really young, not sold. I, yeah, another guy I like, too, is uh, is Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Even though their defense is great this year, you know they, they've just lost so much. Dylan Moses was an All-American kind of guy preseason. They lost him for the year. They lost. They, they basically have two freshmen, I think, starting linebackers, two freshmen or sophomores, mm-hmm. right freshmen starting linebacker. They, I mean, they had two studs, line, two stud linebackers that are off of the year, lost a stud pass rusher off of the year. Their, their number one recruit in the country – uh, or their, their number one recruit this year, Tony Alfano, left and went to uh, Colorado. So, like, they, they've just had so much. Alabama's had so many issues with their defense in terms of personnel. Uh, Pete Golding's the guy I would look at, too, even though you're, you know, you're talking about offensive, um, an offensive league. And then, um, I mean, Joe Brady, you know, and what he's done in a short time at LSU. These are all really, really, really young guys. Yeah, you know, I, I think the the point that you went to with Lincoln Riley, and I think it probably applied to, to Matt Rule and maybe a lot of these college coaches these days, is one the money, especially when you're talking about a big school, the money is about the same in the NFL. But two, you know, you see Lincoln Riley gets the pick of the litter. He gets to pick any any of these guys he wants, and then he's going to go to the ownership group that's the most controlling in the NFL. You know, he's right. going to be he's going to be suddenly now I'm a yes man to the Jones family. I just I don't see that being appealing to Lincoln Riley. I don't really see it being appealing to Matt Rule either. Um, but there's somebody well, look, out think, there. But I, I don't think they're as much authoritarian as they're as people think they are anymore. I mean, you know, Jerry's not exactly the one making most of the personnel decisions anymore. It's really Stephen Jones, Will McClay, and the personnel department. They've mm. done a really good job. But even then, he just is not going to have as much control as he has now, and nobody is. You know, so I, I just. Again, if, if you go from basically you get to pick whoever you want and you're constantly getting five-star recruits, the best offensive players in the country, versus having to participate in a draft every year and free agency, it's just a whole different ballgame in terms of personnel. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, I will, uh, you know, I'll let you go, but I do want to get a prediction. Who's going to win, OU or Baylor? Oh, man. I haven't given it enough deep thought yet. Okay, so let's start with what's the spread in this game? Okay, let's take a look at the spread in this game. Um, Baylor is, are they favored? No, Oklahoma's a 10-point favorite. Okay, Oklahoma's a 10-point favorite against an undefeated Baylor team at home. <laughs> is that shocking? That is, uh, I would say that was a little disrespectful. I wouldn't give, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have set that as a line. <laughs> what do you think the line should be? I would probably still have Oklahoma favored, but maybe like by three. You know, like a close favorite, but a, a ten point favorite on the road is—I don't know—that's that's very surprising. Yeah, I would certainly take the ten points. Yeah, but and I love I love Baylor, I love Matt Rule. Um, I'll, I'll take Oklahoma to win this game um, because these the games. I mean, this is, Oklahoma's the king of this conference. They have been until anybody until somebody beats them and, and proves otherwise. They're going to be the kings of this conference, and so the kings of the conference win this game. Yeah. So uh, I'll take Oklahoma to win, but not cover the ten points. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and we'll see. That's exactly what I would have said. I, I uh, definitely would not take Oklahoma plus ten, but uh, I 
obviously I'm going to pick them to win because I'm biased and I went to Oklahoma, but objectively I do think that they should win this game, but Baylor's been proving people wrong all season, so maybe they'll continue to do that this weekend. Uh, 40's the magic number. If, if Oklahoma mm-hmm. gets to 40 points, Baylor's going to lose. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll watch for that, and we'll uh, as OU fans, we're going to count down until we get to the 40, and my <laughs> Baylor friends will they'll be you know, doing the opposite. So uh, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you joining us. Ari, we will, uh, we'll subscribe to YouTube, listen to you on Sirius XM, listen to you on Cowboys pregame show on one Oh five, three, any other places that I'm missing. Thank you. Got it, man. Follow me on Twitter at Ari sports and Scott, you do a fantastic job. I really enjoy reading, um, you know, your, uh, your newsletter that I get whenever you release it. Um, so it's, it's always, you know, I, I enjoy the gifs and, and all the different parts of it. So it's, it's really good. So I, I appreciate you doing that, man. All right, cool. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, we will uh, talk to you another time. Thanks, Ari. Take care, Scott. A better man than me would have cut out that last part where Ari compliments the newsletter. But I just think you should know if you're listening to the podcast and you're not signed up for the newsletter, you're only getting half the experience. Ari is a newsletter subscriber and has been for like a year, and he enjoys what he gets, so you should do the same. You should also follow Ari on Twitter, and uh, if you're a Cowboys fan, which I'm sure a lot of you are, he does a great job on his YouTube channel. Uh, He does a a Cowboys-related show. He also does a Cowboys pregame show like we talked about. This is a busy guy. He watches a lot of football and a lot of sports. And uh, he is, like I said, as you can tell from there, he knows all the players, he knows all the coaches, he knows the schemes. This is the right guy if you're really interested in the X's and O's and really getting to know um, the sport and the, the conference and the Cowboys. What could be better than that? So that's it for this episode. We got the big game this weekend, obviously. We'll talk to you next week. And we're going to handle all the fallout because there's going to be fallout from that game either Oklahoma wins and and we'll see what the playoff committee thinks about that or Baylor wins and we'll see what the playoff committee thinks about that and Auburn will probably beat Georgia and they'll be number six and then the Big 12 really won't have a chance and LSU will then go and lose to A&M or something crazy will happen and all of this that we've talked about will be for naught. Hopefully not. Hopefully we still will string it out all the way to the end to the Big 12 championship game so it means something for someone. That would be ideal. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you again to Ari Timken for jumping on the podcast. Make sure to follow him. Make sure to like and subscribe this podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, however the heck you listen to podcasts. Please like and subscribe and give me a rating. I love getting ratings. Follow me on Twitter at Scott Bedgood and subscribe to the newsletter, Big12Bullets.com. This is the Big 12 Bullets podcast.